afternoon. I'm still trying to get used to this afternoon thing. I'm so used to doing these interviews late at night that this is a really, really odd feeling for me, but I'm getting used to it. And I'm actually enjoying it. I love seeing a different audience during the day. A lot of folks uh, who couldn't stay up until midnight or 10 p.m. or whatever time I happened to do the interviews in the past. So I appreciate you all being here. We've got a really, really exciting discussion ahead of us today. And again, I apologize for the weirdness of camera angle versus where I have to look to be able to have an interaction with my guest. But this is a temporary setup because of the radon gas stuff I've got going on in my basement studio. I can't be down there until we get that resolved. So in the for the short term, I'll be uh, up here in my office doing these programs. And again, this weird camera thing. I've been trying to figure out a better way to do it. I haven't come up with the solution yet, but I will, or I'll be back in the studio in the basement. One of those two things is going to, going to happen uh, soon, I promise. So again, welcome to everybody. We have a great discussion ahead of us. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, you've probably heard of Rolling Hills Asylum in East Bethany, New York, out kind of Buffalo, Rochester area, Western New York, if you're not familiar with New York State. Uh, it's a beautiful part of the country. It's a great part of the state. And Rolling Hills is a true gem uh, of a location, particularly if you're interested in paranormal activity. But also, if you're just interested in history, this place has a wonderful history. And our guest today is Sharon Coyle. Sharon is the owner of Rolling Hills, not only just an, an owner, but a paranormal investigator in her own right and a researcher and has done a tremendous amount of work with the facility, plus done a tremendous amount of research at Rolling Hills and other places. And we're just really excited to have Sharon with us. Sharon, welcome to the program. Great to have you, you. here. Um, you are one of the people that we need to be applauding in this paranormal world because you've put your heart, soul, I guess every part of your essence into not just Rolling Hills, but the idea of of trying to help solve some of these riddles that we call paranormal phenomena and figuring out what this is all about. So cheers to you and thanks for being here. Thank you very much. So one of the things that uh, I have to start out by asking is your introduction to uh, Rolling Hills itself came as an investigator, right? That's where you started. It, it did, actually. Um, I came out on Dave Schrader's event in 2008. I used to go to all of his events when I was had a lot of free time. Um, and he always had such stellar events. And he was coming out here, and I decided I was going to come. And that's how I became familiar with Rolling Hills Asylum was in 2008. Well, you and I kind of share that as a history because uh, my first event was at Rolling Hills. Not that that was your first one, but that was my first one. I think it was 2006 or seven. I don't remember exactly now. No, I, moved, I, don't, I moved here in, oh, you're saying your first yeah, event at Rolling Hills? Or? No, my oh, first yeah, event yeah. ever. My first, my first event ever was at Rolling Hills, 
and it was a Dave Schrader event. Yeah, it was a Dave Schrader event. Uh, and I went up and I can't remember if it was six or seven, 2006 or seven. Um, but it really introduced, for, that's where I met uh, Jason and Grant. And I ended up working on the Ghost Hunters team for a lot of years after that. Um, but but I couldn't have asked for a better way to start my investigative career because I had so much stuff happen at Rolling Hills. I still cite those instances as some of my favorite and most profound uh, when people ask me, what are your favorite paranormal uh, experiences? It's a super special place. It really is. It's active all the time, different all the time. Yet we have a lot of the same, I call them cast of characters, a lot of the same spirits come through on a regular basis, plus a lot of new ones all the time. It's just, it's ridiculous. For me to move and buy this place and give up living <laughs> in Huntington Beach, California, to move out here in the middle of nowhere to save this location, it had to have been that special. Yeah, let's talk about the history of Rolling Hills, first of all. Now, it was a, it was a county poorhouse or an almshouse for Genesee County, New York. Now, a lot of people don't even understand what that means anymore. If you've ever played the game of life, you know, that board game from, I don't know if it's Parker Brothers or Milton Bradley or one of those. Uh, and if you if you if you fail in that game, you end up going to the poor farm. Well, that was that's yeah. kind of the same idea here. But back before there were a social net safety programs from the federal government and the state government, the counties used to be responsible for housing people that couldn't take care of themselves. So they created these either poor farms or poor houses or whatever it was to put these people uh, to give them a place to stay. And that's what how that was the genesis of uh, Rolling Hills, right? Exactly. It was definitely a poor house, poor farm. It was a self-sustained community that took it and everyone from widows and orphans, drunkards, mentally and physically disabled, Civil War veterans, everyone, anyone that needed a leg up, even if it was temporary or long term or permanent. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, I think somewhere along the way, I don't know if you posted it somewhere or I saw it in, in some other format, but there was a list of things that would basically qualify you or maybe even require you to be housed at, at, a, at a place like Rolling Hills. And some of the quote-unquote ailments or maladies uh, that would m force you to go to one of these institutions, today uh, we look at it and say, wow, that's really, really bizarre. I mean, they had a lot of really, really strange things that they used to uh, use as justification for sending folks to either the poorhouse or the almshouse, right? Yeah, women could be called hysterical. Yeah, you know, or you know, loose, and that would be something that would, be, you, know, you know, all kinds of things. Having, uh, I can't remember the exact term now, but basically being addicted to alcohol or being just enjoying a drink, you know, but a little bit too much. Um, there was all types of things. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's crazy. So it's a big argument of woman you could have ended up in there and i certainly would have been <laughs> yeah right I, it's so funny how the standards well just how i don't know if they've changed or we've come to our senses i don't know how you'd better <laughs> describe it but there it's there's a lot of distance sharon between visiting uh rolling hills at a dave schrader event uh and investigating yeah. and then actually buying this talk us through what happened um I can't, to this day, it blows me away. I don't even know how I got here, to be honest with you. I remember coming out, three great, great nights. It was unbelievable. Uh, June 12th, Friday the 13th and 14th um, of, of uh, 2008. And then I went back home and had my own paranormal groups. And then I got a call from someone back here in the spring of 09 saying, oh, my God, the place is closing down. We don't know what's going to happen to it. 
we're afraid it's going to get torn down. And it was like a light switch went off. And I literally started crying on the phone. Like, oh my God, what's going to happen to this property? What's going to happen to the spirits? I wasn't looking at buying a haunted location. I was trying to open up a wine bar. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> or a small vineyard or something, you know? So no idea that this was going to happen. And um, called my husband at the time at work. And I'm crying when he answers the phone. He goes, oh, my God, you had a car accident? No, no, Rolling Hills is closing. Really? That's why you're calling me Click? And he hangs up, you know. So um, he came home, and we talked about it, and I decided to go out and look at it. So I went out, came back out here with a friend of mine. And still wasn't a great idea. The place was a disaster, a lot of problems, um, very too much money, extremely high-priced. And I went back home. Talked to my husband again, convinced him to come out somehow. We looked at it again, and actually, we pulled in the driveway, <laughs> driveway, and he goes, "You're out of your goddamn mind. We're not doing this. We're not doing this." <laughs> Sorry, I punished this for, but he goes, "You're out of your mind. We're not doing this." And uh, I went home, and I kept crying about the property, and I kept trying to figure out what I could do. And meanwhile, it went up for bankruptcy, and it went up for auction. And it was going up for auction the day before my birthday. Oh, wow. And he goes, you know what? Just fly out. You have extra miles. Just fly out, see what happens. And I was the only one that showed up. But the thing is, the bank was owed a lot of money. And mm -hmm. I had, a, you know, so much money. I, I'm yeah. not wealthy at all. I had a regular job, you know. And uh, basically, I said, I'm done. Because the bank kept bidding against me. And I went to walk out. And uh, I did walk out. And they ended up calling me. And they said, well... Let's talk because <laughs> you're the only one that showed up and we let the fish get away. And basically they carried a very high interest rate of 12 and a half percent for a very, very long time until I could afford to refinance it a few years ago. But that's how I got it. It was crazy. Wow. I actually bought a horse yeah. farm the same way. Went to an auction. I was the only bidder. And I ended up walking out with this horse farm that I really didn't think I wanted. But I ended up. So I understand how that can happen. It does happen. I didn't know you had horses. What kind of horses? Uh, gosh, we had 18 horses at one point. Quarter horses. We actually had a couple of Clydesdales. Um, and then uh, at the farm, we actually boarded out. Uh, we had like 12 boarders that had their horses there. Oh, too. I did that in New Hampshire when I was growing up. Oh, wow. I had, yeah. We had a horse. And then we boarded horses. I had quarter horses in Morgan. So mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So. Water. Do you feel like there was some kind of spiritual destiny, if you will, that drew you and Rolling Hills together and kind of made it all play out this way? Absolutely. I think they picked me. A couple things that happened, which were really interesting. The first time I came out with my friend and we looked at the property, we were walking down the stairs and walking the owner out at night. She didn't want to be in the building by herself. She was scared at that point. Is that Lauren, so I think? I'm walking. Lauren? Yeah, Laura, yeah. Uh, Lauren, Lauren, is that Lauren, right? Lauren. Yeah, whatever. Lori, Lori, I don't remember yeah. exactly. I'm four, uh, 13 years down the road, 14 years. Down the road. Um, anyway, so we're walking down the stairs, and she's walking out the building. And I stopped. I said, look, hey, everybody, I'm going to come back next month. I'm going to try to, you know, I won't leave you guys alone. I'm going to try to buy this place. That's the building, except for the three of us. All of a sudden, a woman hollered, like, from Shadow Hallway over the railing, bye, clear as a bell. Clear as a bell. Craziness. Wow. And then the second time when I came back from being here with my husband, I went back home and I used to work from home. I had an office job. I worked from home and I had an answering machine. You know how they used to be time stamped and date sure. stamped and the phone number. So I'm checking my messages. And on this one day, Tuesday, 
it didn't have any incoming or outgoing calls on the machine, but there was a message and it was very robotic sounding. And it said, I seen ghosts and it hung up. That's weird. And I still, and I called, I called Verizon. I wanted to run a trace. They said they couldn't run a trace without a police report. I said, well, just tell me, were there any incoming or outgoing calls that day? I knew there weren't because I wasn't, I was out here. I wasn't in California, so I wasn't making any calls and didn't show any incoming calls. They said, no, no incoming calls, no outgoing calls on that day. So weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Very cool. And uh, it's like, yeah, they want me to remember that I saw ghosts and don't forget about them. So it was crazy. Yeah. Um, So you ended up buying it. I remember from those days prior to you owning it that, um, you know, it was a, it was not just a place that had some ghosts. It had a lot of problems too. There was a lot of stuff that needed repair. Uh, it's a huge building. Um, it had been neglected for a very, very long time. And I know that when I was there with Jason and Grant on a couple of occasions, we did a lot of fundraising for the place to try to, you know, fix some of the things that needed to be fixed. So when you, uh, bought it in 2009, I imagine that was still the case. A lot of things needed to be fixed. Yeah, then and now. I mean, it's just an old building and nobody ever did any work on it. And um, I've been trying to do it all by myself for 13 years yeah. uh, with with no help from anybody. Um, you know, the only thing that I get help from are the ticket sales. I don't. I wasn't getting any help at all from the county, the state, fundraisers, nothing, nothing. So it's a big challenge. The first uh, year alone, we cleaned out four 40-foot dumpsters of pure garbage, pure garbage, uh, like pizza boxes eaten through by rats, old wet cardboard, dirty laundry that was left in places. I mean, it was just a mess, a mess. Nothing went out that I could use, which, you know, unfortunately, there wasn't a lot that was salvageable, but um, the first year alone. And then I had a roofer come out from Massachusetts. Um, a friend of mine introduced him to me and he was kind enough to come out the first year, I guess it was, and he helped uh, replace, well, re- not replace, repair the slate roof, which is the building that you're looking at right now on the infirmary and um, tightened up the cupola and stuff. That must have been not too long after that. Uh, oh, no, that was a long time ago because I could see the, the markers. Um, but yeah, so he helped with that. And it's just, it's a never ending battle. I mean, and because it's not fenced in and I didn't have internet out here until like about two years ago, um, we couldn't get a lot of good cameras up. The camera situation was bad and we were getting broken into a lot. People were breaking windows. Now we have a really good camera system up and yeah, you know, it's, it doesn't happen as much anymore. Usually people, if they're trespassing, we catch them before they can get to the building. Well, that's good. That's one of the problems we have with a lot of what we'll call paranormal hotspots is that people think that they, for some reason they can just bust into them and investigate and, and sometimes worse, do damage, whatever it happens to be. And that's not the case. These are generally uh, owned by somebody who cares and loves for them, and you need to respect them. So we certainly discourage any of that kind of behavior, but I'm sure you dealt with a lot of it, Sharon. Well, I live on property, too. And so it would be really unsettling. I'd wake up and there'd be people in my front yard of my yeah. house, which is between me and children, having a picnic. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Away, go to the park. This is a private property, public property, you know. 
Yeah, and it's just crazy stuff. Yeah, just because they see, just, you see it on TV on a on a show, whether it's a ghost show or other show, that doesn't mean it's open. You know, it's just available to you to use as you feel. You, there's still people that own these these places generally. Bringing like the barbecue, literally barbecuing. I'm like, what the? I don't know. Thank God I didn't walk out to feed the cat in my t-shirt and underwear. They would have thrown up. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the the activity, I guess we'll call it, that that you've experienced at Rolling Hills. And I know you've got a lot of folks who have visited that have shared their experiences too. But your personal experiences, obviously you've had a lot. You've been there um, not just as an investigator, but as owning it for all these years. I'm sure you've seen all sorts of things. Oh, it's it, the, the stuff that happens, it changes so much and it's so crazy. And I mean, I, I, you know, people always say, what's your favorite thing that happened? I can't have a favorite thing, but it's, it happened from the very first day I walked in there after buying the property to yesterday when I was up there working with the electrician. I mean, it's, it stuff happens all the time. You hear disembodied voices, the, you'll hear music, giggling, footsteps, doors opening and closing, um, full on apparitions where people are, People and me have seen what we thought were real people in the building. And, you know, we turned the corner and there's no one there. Uh, cra- just craziness. I remember going in <laughs> going in with a state trooper once because we had had a break-in. Oh, my God, it was so freaking funny. Um, and we had the screaming lady. And you know how she scre- she's very loud and far away. And he's in there and he's walking through doing a walkthrough with me. And he hears the screaming lady. And I didn't say anything because I didn't know if he heard her or not. And they already think I'm nuts, right? <laughs> so I didn't say anything. All of a sudden he goes, did you hear that? I'm like, yeah. He goes, it came from over there. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. It's just a screaming lady. And I went to keep walking. He goes, what? Don't you think we should go see if it's somebody? I'm like, no, it's a disembodied voice. It's fine. You're okay. And he had his hand on his gun and it was like hilarious. It was just so freaking funny. But, um, but yeah, disembodied voices, full on apparition. One of my girls, um, during October actually was rounding the corner and up right in front of her walked this woman with a white shirt on, white pants, her hair was hanging down in front of her face. And she thought she was looking for an exit. So she hurried up the stairs and around, you know, to, to go get her and say, no, 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 it's this way. There was no one there. And it was a dead end. All three doors at the end were locked. So there's no place for her to go. Wow. It just disappeared in front of her. So, and then, you know, we use, we use the spare boxes and the phasma boxes a lot. And the stuff that comes through, I know people are really skeptical on those things, but I'm telling you, they're not fake because I put a phasma box out in my, what we call the green room, the gift shop, and I turn it on and you hear them calling, Emma, Emma, we need help. Can you get nurse Emma? How can that be? Yeah. I mean, that's our nurse. I mean, it's craziness. Well, I think, you know, when it comes to spirit boxes, I've I've used them a lot. In fact, in uh, the investigation that we did just a couple of weeks ago, we had some great success with the spirit box. Uh, but I think the reasons they sometimes get a bad reputation, I think there are some people that are too eager to find messages and things that aren't messages. And when you do that, it kind of detracts from the credibility of the device, whatever that device happens to be. So you really have to be discerning about what you will accept as a, as a message and what, what isn't. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. So I, got, I have to share with you, do you still have the what was called the Christmas room there? We have a small room. We moved it because when I got here, there was a lot of problems with that roof. As a matter of fact, 
I hesitate even bringing it up, but I'm kind of proud of this, and I guess I should bring it up. That whole dining room area was the inmates' dining room. That's where the Christmas tree room was. And when I got there, it was a disaster. It was all fake plywood and cardboard boxes for the Christmas trees and, you know, the Christmas boxes. And it was leaking in that room. And it's been leaking for 13 years. So we had to move everything out, close it down. The kitchen attached to it has been open. And that that shares a roof. It's a flat roof. Well, after 13 years, I've just been given a grant to fix that part of the roof. So hopefully by next year, we'll be able to open that room up after 13 years. But it's been it's hard to get a grant. People think it's easy. You just, oh, you're a historical property. Give me money. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, especially for private owners that are not nonprofit. There are very few opportunities for this. So the state of New York um, with the Landmark Society was kind enough to, to see the potential out here and finally issued me a grant, which we're working on getting all the I's dotted and T's crossed because we're also working um, towards the National Historical Register. So those go hand in hand. So by the end of the year, there should be some cha- really major, major announcements and changes. That's great. And I, you know, one of the things that I've always been uh, encouraged by when it comes to this paranormal tourism, we'll call it, is that it's helped revitalize a lot of buildings we would have lost otherwise. But in some cases, it doesn't go quite far enough. So I'm glad you're getting some help to do some of these things. Thank you. That'll just be for that one little section. I mean, I have a 60,000 square foot building. Yeah. There needs to be, the whole roof should be repaired. I have an outbuilding that used to be the old uh, ice house and dairy and bakery. That's from 1827. That's a wooden structure. That's in dire need. I mean, there's just, we need windows. I mean, it's one thing after another. It's just, it is what it is. I'm doing my best. And hopefully with this change in the next 12 months, um, we'll be able to be opening up the door for more grants and more help right? because I'm getting old and tired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, one of of the things I find very, very interesting is that you started this conversation talking about the things you did when you, when you first took ownership and how you improved the place by saying you took out, I don't remember the quantity, but 40 dumpsters, 80, how many? four, four, four Four 40 foot dumpsters full of stuff yeah and i often wondered yeah. that the times i visited prior to your ownership was why that owner didn't just clear the debris out of there because there was a lot of debris at the time and you've made it i mean it's still a building that needs work because it's an old building but you've made it clean and easy clean. to navigate and not get hurt i mean that's that's kind of important i think it's just people's individual ambition honestly I think it's what you have for ambition, what you care about the property, what you want to get out of it. And I can't speak for her. You know, I'm not going to put words on other people's mouth, but clearly my my focus and my interest and my desire, it was completely different than hers. Well, thanks for doing that too, because I think it makes it more a more pleasurable experience for anyone who visits, uh, obviously. I, I, I want to go back to the Christmas room though, because I brought it up for a reason. When I was there the very first time, and I, I said when we opened up this discussion that uh, my first organized uh, paranormal investigation was at Rolling Hills. And uh, I still cite that visit as one of my favorite because I had such great experiences there. And one of the things that happened to me is I was sitting alone in the Christmas room 
and uh, it was dark, but there was a little bit of light streaming down the hallway by the door into the room uh, from what they called the safe room, where people could go. It was there was there were lights on on other people in case you got a little freaked out. You could go in there and and uh, you know be comforted and kind of get your wits about you. Um, so a little bit of light streaming down. Uh, the hallway. And as I'm sitting in the middle of this Christmas room and I'm sitting in a chair that's really designed for a child, it's a small, it was a small little desk chair. And I'm sitting there and I see this, what I can only say is a shadow figure of a, looked like a little boy, probably four or five years old. Uh, I see it uh, silhouetted against the light, that, that little bit of light that's streaming down the hallway. And that little boy walks up to me and stands right in front of me. And wow. I, did, I didn't feel menaced by it, but it, because it was just standing still and I was trying to interact and it wouldn't interact with me directly, although it was standing right in front of me, I started to feel a little uncomfortable. So I ended up getting up and going to the safe room myself. Um, but I was, didn't do it out of fear. I did it out of, I don't know. I just started, I just started to feel awkward about it. Um, but it was an amazing experience. And uh, I often use that example as one of my favorites, if not my favorite experience. And it was at Rolling Hills in that Christmas room. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, we have a lot of little children that come out. There's a boy named Tommy who's really fond of one of my one of my girls that helps out, Andrea. Um, there's little Jack who hangs down the laundry room, but he also bebops around everywhere. He's he's ten years old. He's like Pugsley on the Adams family. He's adorable. Shorts, horizontal striped shirt, bare feet, and he's full of spit and vinegar. You know, he's just one of those kids, and uh, he's just he's just one of those kids. And then there's Elizabeth from the chapel. She's four years old, blonde hair, pigtails. Her her father died before she was even born, so she never met her father. So she follows men around, tugs on your hand wants to follow you, wants you to hang out with her. She's very sweet. Her and Jack play a lot together, play a lot together. So then there's a lot of other spirits, but those are the three that we're most, we're most fond of. Now, when you talk about spirits and you give them names, how do you come, I kind of know, but I know our audience is curious. How do you come about uh, that information? How do you know what their names are? How do you know who these spirits are? They tell us either through EVP or through the spare box, I don't just name them arbitrarily. I'll ask them their names and they'll say their names. And and then oftentimes I'm able to go back, not with Jack or not with little Jack so much, um, but like Emma and Roy, we can actually go back and find historical documents on them being there, working there, living there. So we, we correlate everything. That That's fascinating. I want to talk a little bit about too, there's there, and correct me if I've got any of this information incorrect. Um, but there's a cemetery on the property, right? They used to bury the in indigents. Yes, okay, okay. Because I know that there's a site here in where I am in Cooperstown uh, that was a former county poorhouse, and there is a cemetery there that is poorly marked, but if you search, you can find it. And I know that many of these poorhouses had cemeteries. What's the status with the Rolling Hills one? Okay, so yes, there was a cemetery on the property. However, the property was originally over 400 acres. Now we're down to 11. So the rest of that land became the Genesee County Park. So that's adjacent to us. So that's where the cemetery technically is, is in the park, but it's unmarked graves, but it is in the park. But it's so still it's there, right? It's still there. It's still there, it's unmarked, and you don't know. There is a little memorial. People get this confused. When you go in the park, there's also a memorial made with some headstones that were found before me in the building. 
I don't know why there were headstones because none of the other places were marked. Um, but the, the Genesee County historian at the time um, acquired those headstones, made a memorial in the park to honor the people that lived and died there. Um, but it's not the same place as the actual potter's field. And again, and these, all are, of these are basically, these are the, the graves of people who, who lived at the poorhouse, couldn't afford, obviously, a, a, a real funeral or whatever it happens to be, and they were interred there. And, and over time, it, uh, you know, tr- vegetation grew up. It was uncared for. Uh, but, the, but the graves are still there, Sharon, as far as you know? They're still as far there. As, far yeah. as I know, everybody is still buried there. Now, however, there's another location in town, in Batavia, off of Harvester, there's an old Batavian cemetery, and it's beautiful. Um, arborists plant trees in there, and there's beautiful stones and everything. There's one section in there that has um, a section of the poorhouse in there as well. It's a blank field. It's very small. I'm, I'm looking around my room right now. It's probably, I was going to maybe 40 by 40 or 50 by 50, I'm guessing. I don't know. Um, and actually, there are two or three small flat stones there, but the rest are unmarked. One flat stone is where Roy is buried, our seven and a half foot shadow man. He's actually physically buried there because his family had money, so they paid for him to be put into a cemetery. Oh um, but when I talked to the cemetery master of that old Batavian cemetery, he told me that the people from the poorhouse are buried 10 to 14 deep over there. When you say One 10 to 14, oh, you're so stacked. Stacked. Wow. So a real pauper's grave. Yeah. Wow. Um, you talk about Rory, this, uh, would you say seven and a half foot, uh, shadow person? Yeah. I have, Hi, Roy. I grabbed Roy. Is that the name? Roy. Yeah. I grabbed some photos off, off of your, uh, off the Rolling Hills website, which uh, I encourage folks to go to rollinghillsasylum.com. I don't know if this is Roy or not, but these are some pretty cool images that you captured. I think personally, can you tell us about it? I'm going to throw this one up here. Uh, and then we have a zoomed, uh, version of this. Oh, yeah, that was that was so long ago. But yeah, I, I'm imagining that's who that is because he was so big. It was a very strange photo. Um, there's a series of them actually where he's he's coming out of the one of the doorways or up the ramps. I can't remember now, but he he actually manifested. It was craziness. Yeah, and when I look at this though, I mean, you know far better than I do, but I almost see kind of a cryptid type creature there, given the length of his arms. It does look that way, and maybe that's what that is. Because um, now going forward, that was way in the beginning. That must have been a year or two in, so that we're going back in my memory. But it does look very crypt- cryptic. You're right. And we actually do have uh, aliens in the building. I have a full-on picture that I took of a gray alien, and then we have another one that a friend of mine took um, from outside the building um, that is in a window, and it's definitely gray, big eyes no mistaking it. The window is 15 or 18 feet off the ground. There was nobody in the building at the time. It was broad daylight. We were outside working and we were taking pictures of people working and it was right in the window and there's nothing behind it. I mean, it's 15 feet off the ground. So we've had gray aliens in the building. Uh, I just have to, 
I've got to address uh, uh, Rebecca Foster is in in the chat room, and of course Rebecca is my partner along with Britt Griffith on this Paranormal Reality TV project. And Rebecca is saying, "Oh my God, when are we going?" <laughs> so I've been talking to Sharon. We're going to work it out. <laughs> We're going to make this happen because we have to get there. Um, in addition to a lot of photographic evidence, Sharon, I call it evidence, but it's just really uh, it's just uh, documentation of experiences. Uh, one of the things that I also caught at Rolling Hills, which is one of the best, was an EVP. And I know you've gotten a lot of EVPs there as well. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you about this one story? It's a little long, but you might get it, you might find it interesting. Sure. So, um, so we were, I gotta remember how this started. So I came into the building, it was probably a few Christmases ago, probably 10 Christmas, eight Christmases ago. And it was like right before Christmas. And I go up the, the what we call the volunteers chairs on the first floor. There's three chairs. I always sit there doing an EVP session. So I'm in there thanking him for a great year, wishing a Merry Christmas, singing a, hell, a Christmas song out of tune, you know, the whole nine yards. All of a sudden from above me on Shadow Holly. Now, no one's in the building. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. No one's on the property but me. I'm hearing bam on the ceiling above me. Bam. Bam, but it was coming from the solarium and coming down towards me, but above me. And it was vibrating the ceiling. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, my first thought is someone broke in. It sounds like a guy with a sledgehammer right. hitting the floor. I'm like, oh crap, how am I going to get out of here? You never let the know the killer, you know, let the killer know that you know that they're there, you know, kind of thing. So I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll just go make the cookies, wrap the presents. I don't know what the hell I said. Walk down the stairs, still recording. Now it's right above me in the staircase. Boom, 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 right? So I'm out the door. I'm like, oh my God, tell you the truth. Sharon's a little freaked out. I'm still recording. So at the time, I called a friend of mine who was a federal marshal who has since passed away, but he called him and said, Jason, can you come out? I think someone broke in the building. He goes, okay, okay, call Julie and we'll beat you out there. So they came out and he goes, well, let me hear it. And so we're playing it, I'm playing it. And Julie goes, it sounds like a guy with a peg leg. I'm like, no, 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 it sounds like a guy with a sledgehammer. You don't know how loud it was. And she used to be, a, a, she's a nurse and she used to be a work nurse at Cleveland Clinic. So anyways, we go inside, we go through the whole building. Nothing's out of place. Not a chair, not a window, not a teacup, nothing. Till we get up to Shadow Hallway, which is right above where I was sitting, there's a hospital room. You walk in the door. To this day, you can walk in the door right now, and I, I guarantee they're there. You walk in the door to your right, lay up against the wall as a pair of crutches, except only one's there. Jason walked in ahead of me. The other one was on the floor by the wheelchair. He picks it up, has a rubber stripper, he hits it on the floor, and that's exactly the sound I, I heard. Oh, wow. It was a, like a crutch running down the... So that was, that was like eight years ago. Cut to two years ago. We finally, finally, finally get internet. So Spectrum comes out and they're out front talking to the supervisor, right? And he's out there and he's looking up at the building and he's pointing to the east wing to the first floor dorm, the men's dormitory. He goes, oh, my uncle used to be here when it was a nursing home. I go, oh, really? Yeah. He goes, yeah, his name was Buster. He got it put in here because he had a peg leg. Wow. So... I think that was him. So then about uh, six months later, Brett, Brett, uh, Brett, um, I just had a brain fart. I can't remember his last name now. Um, anyways, one of the, one of the, uh, from Go Stop Paranormal. Go Stop Paranormal. Um, are you talking about Dave? Paranormal. Hold on. I'll just look it up. I have his name right here. I just had a brain fart. Dave? Oops. Nope. Nope. Brett. Hmm. Um, hold on. Brett McGinnis. Oh, my God. Poor guy. He's been here like a thousand times. 
I just had a huge, I didn't have any coffee this morning. I'm sorry. Uh, Brett McGinnis. So anyways, he came out and we were down the other, down the first floor East wing, right where the special guy said his, his uncle was. And we're in another hospital room down there. We're doing EVP session. So everyone's doing the asking questions. It was my turn. It was a D60. I go, can you tell me what's different about Buster? Play it back. Peg leg. Oh, wow. So, and we have a, and then we have a photo. I don't, I can't believe I didn't send it to you. Um, and it looks like that he's down the end of the hallway, right behind a friend of mine, broad daylight. Oh, that's amazing. Crazy. Yeah. That it's is, that crazy. Is, that is crazy. That like years. Wow. But, and by the way, a lot of folks were introduced to Rolling Hills through Ghost Hunter's first investigation there. And I believe that was the one where uh, <laughs> Jason and I think maybe it was Steve. I'm not even sure who was with Jason. Uh, they got had a bad incident. Remember that? Did you see that episode, Sharon? I remember that episode. And you know what? It was fine. But like, I, it was, I was laughing because I never had any bats until about three years ago. And now I have... Uh, we're battling bats. So I got most of them out. Yeah. And every year I have this illuminator come. But, you know, they can get in the size of a dime. Yeah. These little buggers. They're, they're little really, bugger. really difficult. I mean, they're very beneficial animals and they have, they're kind of mis, uh, misinterpreted. No, they're but... not. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. No, they're uh, not. You they're, have... they're rats with <laughs> yeah, okay. They're probably true. All right. You've got a lot of stuff going on at Rolling Hills. Uh, talk a little bit about the type, the events you've got maybe specifically have coming up, also the types of things that you generally have throughout the course of the year. Sure. Um, the, the two that are coming up that are the one that is most popular every year is our adult Easter egg hunt. Um, it's crazy. We have uh, about 70 people coming. We have only about five tickets left, really. Wow. Um, and we hide 850 eggs through the building. There are tickets in the eggs. I supply about $3,000 worth of gifts. It's all kinds of stuff. Some paranormal equipment, some RHA stuff, some a lot of non-paranormal stuff. And so people go out, disperse, get their eggs, come back. And then they put the chits in the baskets. While they're having dinner, we have a catered all-you-can-eat taco bar coming in um i draw all the the tickets and people win all the baskets and it's everything from a like a 30 40 basket all the way up to something's worth almost 500 dollars. so it's a, it's a big fun thing and then you have a ghost hunt so that's the most popular thing that we have going on and then the end of april we have chelsea gill she's a psychic medium we have she's uh we're about a th- a third of a tickets left. So we have probably about 20 tickets left. So that there is going to be really popular. Then I have the normal, you know, public ghost hunts, private ghost hunts. I'll be adding some historical and flashlight tours and hopefully sticking in a couple other little events coming up in the summer. So, and then sometimes we have art classes, painting with a ghost, um, things what like if, that. What so. if somebody just wants to come on their own and just do an, just investigate? How does that work? Do they have to wait until you've got like an organized something organized? How does it work? Nope. nope, that's a private ghost hunt. We have some of them listed on the website. I'm a little bit behind getting May, June, July, and August up, so I have to get all that up. But uh, basically, you just go on the website. There are two different options for private hunts. If you do it on a Monday through Thursday, you can go for four hours, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. for 500 bucks for up to 10 people or make it eight hours, 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. for 850 for 10 people. Um, and then we also have them on Friday available on Friday nights for private groups up to 15 people. And it's uh, $14.99. So they're 100 bucks a piece, basically. But you book it out for your whole entire group. So it's a private hunt. 
I'm just going to throw another uh, picture up here because I had grabbed it off of the website, I think. Um, what are we looking at here? Do you know what this is off here? Oh, that is such an old photo. I hate that is it? photo. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> Hate that photo. Um, that that's uh, what is what area that is. That is up by um, the infirmary, and where the wheelchair is, which I actually moved that now. But that is actually the um, shock therapy room, which is all dressed now. <laughs> we have furniture in there. We have a chair in there, a shock therapy style chair. And yeah, what that's happens? That's what what happens when you go into one of these rooms and you actually stage it? You put uh, whether it's replica or original or whatever furniture and and stuff. And does that help increase the activity of that particular area? Definitely helps uh, increase the activity. And it, it's so funny because oftentimes I'll know what the rooms are and I'll cater to furniture for that. Other times I just get a vibe and I have to put something in there. And the activity goes crazy. I remember off of Shadow Hallway, there was a room and it was empty and I put a playpen in it. And all of a sudden, actually it was upstairs originally. And then I had a dream and I said, I have to bring it down and move it somewhere else. And when I put it in the, in the new room, it started, we started hearing a baby cry out of it, which was crazy. Wow. Um, that Speaking of the Vortex room, that room is such a gift we get so much activity out of that room. People are able to go in there and actually communicate from with people that have passed away in their own lives. Um, it, it's it's like a hotspot. There's a portal in there, and we've had people go in with spare box or EVP sessions and literally connect with people in their own lives that have passed away. It's craziness. If someone craziness. came to you and said, "Okay, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to do a, a ghost hunt. I'm going to go um, off on my own kind of thing." Uh, what equipment would you recommend they bring? What seems to bring the, the best results when they're in Rolling Hills? Definitely record audio. Definitely record, record, record. Um, before I go into anything, your cell phones nowadays, people, we get a lot of new people that have never investigated. That's the bulk of who visits Rolling Hills. Um, you know, because there's only so many teams and teams want to go to different locations, but we get a bulk of new people all the time. There's cell phones today. You get amazing photos, amazing video, amazing recordings. Definitely record. Definitely take photos and video. Definitely photos, though, and recording. Um, anything else is extra. I mean, as far as if you want to do dousing rods, they love dousing rods. Pendulum, sure. Um, you know, I'm still a big believer in the maglite situation. People don't like it. I like it. I mean, it you know, it's a good visual, especially for new people that are impatient and they watch the shows. The shows are edited to, what, 53 or 54 right. minutes? Yeah. And they think things are going to happen like that. So they need to sit still and plant their butt in a chair, but they get antsy because they're not seeing the apparition walk in front of them. So if they're recording and they have a maglite that's, you know, they can actually start seeing a visual and they have nothing else but that, that helps them sit still and then they'll get the activity. So I'm a big proponent of that. It's just, and then, you know, anything else is extra, you know that. I love spare boxes and phasma boxes, but you know, the mel meters, unless you're really going to start tracking things and be a real serious investigator, a lot of that stuff with the new people are just, it's numbers and, and lights going off. You know, the REM pods are good. They're great. But I mean, you don't need to go and spend two, three, four hundred dollars to have a great night. You really don't. You know, when folks, Listen, that, folks yeah, well, that's, what I, that's exactly what I was just going to say. When folks ask me, I say the very first thing you should do, especially if you're new to this, 
you know, bring a recorder, whether it's video or audio or both, that's fine. But your eyes and your ears and your just your the senses that your body has that you can't even really identify what that sense is. You know, when the hair raises on the back of your neck, what is that sense? I'm not sure. But those things are actually more important, particularly for an, uh, a new investigator, than any technical gadget. Because when you if you immerse yourself into some electronic device, you're, there's a good chance you'll miss something right in front of you. You know, and that's, and that's a shame, you know, so I agree with you there. That's it's so important just to use your your natural senses. That's a huge part of this. Um, we have people lay on our morgue table. And when you lay on the morgue table, there's a suit hanging up and the suit acts like a pendulum. It'll spin one direction for yes and the other for no. There's no draft down there. Mm. It'll, and you ask questions and it'll spin. Doc, who is down there all the time. It's really interesting. You lay on the table. You ask for help. Tell them that you can't breathe, that you're scared, that you don't want to be there. And oftentimes they'll come over and they'll start feeling for your pulse here on your wrist, on your femoral artery. If you have an ailment or like a bad knee or an old football injury or something, we tell people don't talk about it. Because what happens is the spirits intuitively know where it is and they'll start feeling heat on those old injuries. Like they're trying to give it Reiki. It's really fascinating. It's so fascinating. All right, so what's the darkest, spookiest spot in Rolling Hills? And I only ask because when we come there and we're bringing our investigator, Rob, that's where we're going to stick him. I just want to know what okay. it is ahead well, of time. There's a danger room. The danger room off of, I won't go in there because I think it's spiders. But um, <laughs> there's the danger room um, that peak, that it's, it's just, it's really, it's a hole. It's a dark hole. Perfect. Um, people don't have People don't like the tunnel. People don't like up by, by um, admin where Emma is and George Fleming is because it's a narrower, heavier feeling. It's smaller. It's more enclosed. People don't like it up there. Those would be the three places, I would say. Perfect. Um, so I'm trying to think of what else. We, oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. Okay, so uh, you've been, you and I have been corresponding as we're trying to set up this opportunity to come out there investigate and investigate. And you've been talking about what's going on next year with the eclipse. Do you want to mention anything? I mean, you've got a pretty neat thing going on here. Well, I hope so. I haven't really. We're just starting to get going on that. The if everyone remembers the 2017 eclipse and how it, you know, had this trajectory through the U.S. and ended up being really great to see up in like Oregon and Washington. Well, I'm wide open and I'm right directly in the path and I have 11 and a half acres. So I'm planning on, hopefully I gotta go, we're working on all the details. So please don't quote me on this. But my plan is to be able to have um, a bunch of viewing sections out here or like they did in Oregon, um, tent availability, camping, um, and having some huge viewing party out here. And I'm trying to convince you to help me with some other side-on event, which would be great. It'd be really fun to make it a whole great, you know, couple of day weekend thing. So it's it's going to be a big thing. We're right by the park. We have no city lights. The stars out here are amazing. So we could do even a whole nighttime thing, investigation at night. Plus you've got the eclipse during the day and... Do you yeah, think an event so, like that, do you think an event like whether it's a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse, which happens a little more frequently, uh, do you think that changes uh, the energy when it comes to paranormal activity? Do you think it adds to, takes from, makes any difference whatsoever? I think, any of that yes. I think it does. I think it does. I also think when they turned on, what was that, that SIRS? Is it the SIRS? 
CERN. The CERN? Yeah, the CERN. When that happened, that you could feel the difference. Like, I didn't even know what happened. I'm like, something yeah. is different in the building. Something That's is different scary. in the building. You feel like a vibration. Speaking of vibrations, oh, my God. So some friends were out the other night. We were doing a private investigation, just the six of us. And we had my friend had his camera on a tripod right in front of him in shadow hallway. And he's not near it. He's not touching it. He goes, the thing is vibrating. He goes, the floor in the building is vibrating. It's vibrating. And it was just like completely like you, know, you could see it. Oh, you could wow. hear it. it was a, we were hearing voices. We were hearing people talking. He actually, he actually saw from his angle a white mist come from the infirmary, go past the ramp, <clears throat> the ramp manifest, and then disappear before it got to um, one of the first doorways. I had a baby carriage out with a baby doll in it. And uh, kept saying, oh, the baby's crying. Can you help us? The baby's crying. All of a sudden, they went over and they're rocking the cradle. They're rocking the baby carriage. So the baby carriage was bumping up and down. Like someone was oh, wow. and it was crazy. It was just, the stuff in there is just amazing. And I, I know it's my place, but honest to God, it really is. No, it, I, I mean, can I've vouch a lot for that. I can vouch for that. It's not my place. And I, I say the same thing. It's really a I mean, phenomenal site. I mean, it's just, it's it's crazy. So. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we're about out of time. Let people. I've I've been throwing the uh, the website up here, but tell people what it is because the podcast listeners won't be able to see the the graphics. So tell people how they can find out what you've got going on, um, and also just give us a, a, a. I kind of was general in the location. It's East Bethany, New York, but let people know where that is and uh, how they can uh, get involved with Rolling Hills. Sure. It's rollinghillsasylum.com. You can go on the website to book anything. There's like a uh, contact us form. There's a newsletter form. There's come to an event. You can, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. Um, I'm doing some, a little bit of Twitter, a little bit of uh, TikTok, but God knows what's going to happen with that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. So, um, and yeah, we're in East Bethany, New York. We're very close to Batavia, which is the major town. We're like 15 minutes away. Um, our hotel of choice is the Batavia Hotel and Gaming. Um, they give everyone a great deal there. They give you free gambling money and the whole nine yards. They're very supportive of us. We're a sponsor of their concert series. Um, and then also, we're about 45 minutes between Buffalo and Rochester if you need to fly in. So, we're not that hard to find. No, we're just a little way off the beaten path. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're right off of the New York State Thruway, which is I ninety uh, mm -hmm. running through New York State. So um, yeah, it, it's a wonderful place. Nice. And again, Sharon, thanks so much for joining me today, being part of this. I really look forward to when we can bring the whole crew out there and actually do one of our live investigations because it's a great place. So thanks for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. It's been really great to talk to you. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah, it has been a long time. And we will be in touch. We'll get all this worked out. We'll get it worked out really soon. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, so, everyone. Yeah. Uh, so again, uh, Rolling Hills Asylum. Um, I'm going to throw the picture back up here. This is what it looks like. Sharon said this picture is a little bit old, but still basically the same thing. Uh, it's much bigger because there's a whole bunch of stuff behind this picture that you can't see. And it's rollinghillsasylum.com. A lot of stuff going on out there. And as I said, some of my best and favorite experiences, If I, when I'm asked, what, uh, what do I remember most from my paranormal uh, investigations? It always comes back to Rolling Hills because it was some of, some of the best, uh, best uh, investigations that I've ever participated in. Uh, a couple things I want to remind you guys of. Please make sure 
that whatever platform you're watching, that I know there's a bunch of folks on Facebook watching. I know there's a bunch of folks on um, some of our secondary channels. Like we, we have a kick channel that we're trying out and some other things. Go to either Twitch or, or YouTube, find Paranormal Reality TV and follow and or subscribe to those two specific places, YouTube or Twitch, because that's going to be the meat and potatoes of what we're doing, particularly when it comes to our live investigations. I know Rebecca Foster, who is uh, obviously um, a a partner of mine in this particular uh, endeavor, she's going to be doing live uh, gallery readings, which she's been doing all along. She does them on Twitch. So you're going to want to be following the Twitch channel if indeed you want to participate in those gallery readings. Again, Twitch or YouTube uh, for the most most of the program, which will be the live paranormal investigations, and you can find them by going to either of those places and just searching for paranormal paranormal reality TV. And having said that, Rebecca's got a gallery reading coming up tonight at 7 p.m. So make sure you join her again. That'll be on Twitch Twitch tv slash paranormal reality tv and we have a live investigation coming up in just a couple of weeks so stay tuned for more details on that and we'll make sure that um that you know when where and all that stuff and it's going to be another great one we're really really looking forward to it so again thank you to sharon coyle for joining us rollinghillsasylum.com is the website uh and i'll see you all next time 